You're listening to Borderline Idealist. Join us every Sunday for new episodes where we focus on introverts, highly sensitive people, and mental health. Log on to BorderlineIdealist.com for past episodes, blog posts, and to find ways to support us. Together, we can give a voice to introverts and tear down mental health stigma. If you love listening to the show, why not support our cause? We ask for a dollar a month to help grow our website and reach more people. If you feel like what we do is important and makes a difference, we ask that you stop by borderlineidealist.com and click on the Patreon link in the menu. Thank you as always for listening, sharing, and inspiring us to do bigger and better things. Hello guys, and welcome to another episode of Borderline Idealist. My name is Christian. Hello, everybody. This is AJ. Yeah, I go by Chris. I think I'm here. (laughs) And I will forever go by AJ because it's easier for everybody. (laughs) So uh, today's episode, we're going to reflect on (laughs) last last week's week's episode. um, Because after I heard it, and I I told Chris that this is just going to be an entire episode of me apologizing to him, making him feel great. Which he loves, Whatever. you know, and he loves being right too. So not necessarily, <laughs> but it's, um, it it's I guess it's rare for oh. somebody with. Can oh, I finish I'm sorry. my sentence? No, what are, no, what, are you, what were you thinking of? Why are you laughing? <laughs> Please continue. It's not really rare, but it's um, I don't really know the, the word I'm looking for. But when when you get to look back at yourself doing something or uh, something has been recorded of you going through um, what I felt like I was going through last week, like uh, with splitting and um, anger. Resentment. Yeah, and just feeling really lost with my my identity. You know, who who am I? What am I going through right now? How can I fix this? Do I trust myself? Uh, but I, I actually had, you know, listening to last week's episode, I listened to it and I was like, oh, okay, can you spot all the symptoms of BPD? <laughs> <laughs> and then I started writing down, like, all the things that I heard in my voice and and what I was communicating with Chris. And so it was kind of cathartic for you? I, I suppose. It's kind of <laughs> embarrassing also, because after... After the episode went live and my brother listened to uh, to it, he texted me and he was just like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it sounded like we were fighting. <laughs> I it, didn't I didn't feel like we were fighting. No, I think... I felt like it was a very passionate conversation yeah. where I don't normally push back, but I think in this instance I did, and in some of the things that you were saying. But I was being very defensive also Mm -hmm. and but i feel like i i don't know and you can probably you probably thought about this that the way that i pushed back it wasn't also being an attacking or in a combative way no i i think that you were making logical um analysis (laughs) yeah uh, to the situation but i just couldn't at at that point you you can't i just i don't know i just felt between so many worlds and I, i remember uh, during that conversation, 
you were talking about you don't know how I'm going to respond to something or how, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're going to find me in a certain situation. Mm-hmm. And I joked about, you know, oh, I just have so many personalities. You don't know who I'm going to be. <laughs> and then I'm just like, oh, God, that's so true. I do have so many personalities. <laughs> he doesn't know who I'm going to be. I don't know who I'm going to be. <laughs> you know, it's just like, man, that, that episode was so I... It was enlightening for you. Yeah, I could hear the the fear of abandonment sort of in in my voice, and um, I guess through my thought process, I think I think that kind of comes from how I I had a fear of like letting you down, or um, that I just wouldn't be good enough. Does that also apply to your work? Like, does that feel like you know maybe that you were afraid that they were gonna leave you, so you wanted to leave them first? I thought about that and that's what made the the decision hard too because I you know if you remember from last week's episode I wasn't sure if I could trust myself or not because mm-hmm. I, I didn't know if I was just turning everything negative because one thing happened to me and so I had to think about everything else that had happened too and how I had got to the the final decision that I got to mm-hmm. um I'm sorry what was the question again how did the people do something to me were you the fear of abandonment did that apply to your job as well where you um, decided to leave them before they left you i didn't feel like they were going to i don't know is that abandonment that can be yeah i i I guess so but you're being left yeah i did have that that fear but i don't i don't think that's why you know i don't think that's why i left that job Mm -hmm. or um it may have been but yeah, I think that 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 fear mix. kind of yeah yeah does kind of come through there because I wasn't even sure if that's how I was feeling and, um, well, yeah when you get tell when you hear the things that you were being told by your boss, mm-hmm. it, I could see how you would have those fears yeah of being let go, um, unstable relationships. I think that's that may be. Also with the employees, maybe, you know, feeling like everyone isn't really on my side. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when I thought of unstable relationships, I thought about the, the relationship that I have with you. I don't feel like it's unstable, but I don't know. Do you feel like it's unstable? I, I feel like it's a stable relationship. Like, we know that we love each other. We know that we're always going towards the same goals for but each I- other. But I'm, it can I'm be constantly, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm constantly like pulling at you and, and pushing you and you're well, just like, oh, and God. to be fair, that's, I think that's normal across all types of relationships, not just, you know, any relationship that has any factor of mental illness. Oh, that's illness so nice, Chris. We're, we're a normal couple. <laughs> Never mind. Let's shut down this podcast. We're normal. No, just, <laughs> no, no, I know you're saying. I'm, I'm saying it's not, that's not the root cause of it. And I mean, it's just a factor. Like, yeah, there's a lot of different factors. You don't that think can it's more extreme? In our, I think it's just different sets of mm-hmm. things. Um, for example, I've talked to some friends of mine uh, that are close enough where we talk about our relationships. I discuss a little bit about our relationship, and then they tell me about theirs. And mm-hmm. you know, we kind of exchange stories about struggles that we face and how they are how their spouse may hurt them in certain things that they do mm-hmm. or the way that they approach them. Mm-hmm. And it may not be intentional, but it's still hurting and it still causes friction in the relationship. So I think it's just different sets of factors that play in. So do you, well, so 
Do you feel like this is a stable relationship? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. I just want to know. Otherwise, you know. You need to get out. Yeah. Uh, um, unclear self-image. That's something that I definitely related to. Never have I felt more like I have self-esteem issues than going through this again i feel mm-hmm. like this this is another time me going through like job worries and troubles and stress and trying to trying to fit in and then but actually hearing myself talk about this stuff um in the last episode it really made me think about how i how i picture myself and what my true values are you know do i you know, I, I know I want to be respected. I know I want I, I deserve love and I know I deserve and it's like how you were talking about last time the, the threshold that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, there are certain thresholds that people have and I just feel like um maybe I'm and, and it's true, I yeah, I feel like I am more sensitive than other people yeah. and I feel uh like that kind of messes with my, my self image because I think about when I was younger how sensitive meant that you're weak. And so I'm always fighting against that. Like, no, mm-hmm. it's okay to be sensitive. It's okay to be sensitive. You're, if you are, that's that's okay. Like, oh, and, but in my back of my head, I'm like, well, I don't know. That that can kind of make you weak. You should yeah. really be doing this stuff. You just well, and that's something that we have to tackle as a culture in general. I feel. I mean, as a culturally, we're taught that sensitivity is a ne- it's a negative trait, and that's why even in politics, you know, you hear women are not good politicians because they're too sensitive. They're too emotional, mm-hmm. and that gets. And that can get tossed around even in in corporate world as well. Why some women are kept from advancing and being pushed, you know, to higher positions because of those negative stereotypes that being sensitive makes you less than or weaker um, is a weaker personality trait. When in fact, it's just it's just like any other personality trait that it can be used in a positive way and. You know, that's why some companies have sensitivity training mm-hmm. and, you know, policemen and these other, there's a lot of different jobs where you have to go through sensitivity training to understand how words can impact certain people. And I think that if everybody across all of corporate America went through sensitivity training, it would make such a world of change and not only within their companies and organizations, but also in producing better hardworking people that you know are not jumping from job to job because if they if people understand that that they are understood and if if there was an instance an instance where something happened that was misunderstanding or just people just being completely insensitive to other people's needs and and situations then you know you a, a person who has sensitivity uh, high sensitivity levels would be able to approach, you know, their boss or somebody else, HR, have a discussion and resolve the issue. But it's, if it can be chopped off before it even gets there, that would that's the ideal situation where, you know, at the beginning, you know, you say, well, we, you know, we have to remind you have to be mindful about how we approach our employees. You know, don't talk down to them. I mean, it's just it seems like very simple steps of how to manage 
a workforce. Yeah. Not talking down to them, not making belittling them, not starting rumors and spreading rumors about this or that, and clear communication. Just all those little things can make a big difference in, in people like you who are who struggle with with BPD and uh, fluctuations in your emotional state. Uh, it can it can help a lot, I think. It's also about the the people who are who are managers or who are in the top tier of, of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what I I want to say, uh, I've been at jobs before where I've been mistreated, mm-hmm. and I. I would see other people go through that too and just internalize it or just kind of talk about, um, maybe you've seen this too, where people talk about it to other people, mm-hmm. but don't really stand up to the people that are doing it to yep. So they just take it. I was, so, I've been in that situation. So now I'm just like to the point where I'm just like, there are certain things that, you know, I can understand a misunderstanding or, you know, whatever. But if you're just, just rude and uncaring and, you know... I I tried before to, you know, report it and then stay behind and then try to make it better and do all this stuff. And in the end, from what I've seen, it didn't, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything, mm. you know, because I don't know. I don't know why. But that was, that was one instance yeah, that was in one. one organization. Yeah. And I think the, I think there is value in standing up for your beliefs and standing your ground in certain situations like that where you you know you're being mistreated or abused um, and or if you know that somebody else within your organization is being treated like that because nobody should be treated badly at especially at a workplace i mean you're there to do a job there's a hierarchy and the people above you are there to help you in your job they're not you know they're this is not a a, I don't know. <laughs> so, so if you're if you're at a job and you see that, you know there are few things that your manager is doing that you don't really agree with. A, f- a few things. Um, do you feel like you know you should speak up and say something? Um, I. I, th- I guess it depends on what what exactly they're doing. Right. I think it, it is very um, case-by-case scenario. And, I mean, there are certain limitations because, you know, in certain situations you have to walk a fine line between speaking up and speaking up for yourself, mm-hmm. but also not coming across as belligerent or attacking because they're your boss, ultimately, mm-hmm. you know? So there is, a, there is a fine line that you have to walk to where... But, you know, it's not impossible. You can say, you know, the, the way that this is being approached, I don't feel like it's the best con- con- the best way. It's not conductive to a healthy work environment. It, it affects me this way. It affects other people this way. And I would hope that we can find a, a, a place where we can ch- change that. So what if, it, what if it's like a, a behavior problem? From the employer? No, from from your manager. You know, something that's ingrained into their their behavior or the way that they manage, and they they do several things. I mean, if you're that's harder. 
that I found that harder to actually stand up and say something to somebody above them because they'll be like, well, this is a marriage and they can do whatever they want for their department. Or they'll, um, it seems like a, a boss is more, uh, will, will let you go before they let go of, yeah, of a manager then, that they feel like is doing a good job, even though they're not doing everything that an employee is saying that their right. behavior isn't, isn't and then matching in up to. In those you. situations, it's one of those things where you, you probably will just end up leaving because you can't change everything and you can't change everyone. Yeah, and even if you address, if you bring up the situation about a, an employer, a, a, um, a manager, and it doesn't get addressed or doesn't get recognized, then there's nothing you can do. The only thing you can do is move on. You know. Well, see, that's why that's why I didn't really feel like going to the meeting with the the manager and stuff because it felt like there was just so many behavior like ingrained problems. But I mean, that what's great about that I'm not going to go in there and be like, okay, um, issue number one, issue number two, issue number three, because all that stuff well, is not going to get addressed, and I'm just going to be seen as a troublemaker. No, with, but see, that's where the the approach helps. Instead of just saying issue number one, two, three, and creating a list, you speak from a point from the from your perspective and from your point of view where you say, "This is how I feel. This is what comes across to me, and I know for a fact, based on what other employees have confided in me, this is what comes across to them as well." About all the issues that you have. About yes. Yeah, so the, you're making a list of issues that you have. But it's not a, a list. I mean, well, I'm not. I'm not saying you're going to sit in, there. I'm not going to. I'm not saying that you're going to sit there and go one, two, three, four. But I'm saying basically that's what you're going to say. Well, this is what I've noticed, and it's going to be a list of things. But about it, there. but there's a difference between like this is what I've noticed that needs to change, and this is how I feel. This is how. Yeah, it, I think I think the approach the approach matters, but I. I, I still think that even no matter how you approach something like that, that it, it depends on also the organization that you're at. Mm-hmm. If it's a large enough organization where you have HR managers, where you have different departments that are meant to kind of check and be a check and balance on other departments, like that's why we have HR managers, you know, to resolve any issues that may arise between the manager and their employees that they are overseeing. They're the, the, they're the in-between person. So if it's a it's a larger organization, I feel like you have a better leeway in approaching that and trying to close that gap, versus if you have if you work for a small organization like I do, who doesn't really really have an HR department. You know, we have one person who's related to the boss, mm-hmm. <laughs> who you can't really you know I can't go to her and confine about something that my manager's doing because my manager's her husband. You know, so. It, there, certain organizations are a little bit more pliable. I feel like, with that regard. Okay. And you know, it, I I know it's hard to get past that point of this has happened. I just want to move on from it. You know, mm-hmm. I just want to quit and just whatever. Let them handle it as they are. As they are, and you're. I mean, you're free to do that. If you feel like you absolutely can't deal, there are certain situations where you just have to walk away, period. And it's up to each individual to evaluate that situation and say, do I feel strong enough to stand up for myself or stand up for somebody else at this moment in time? And And all you can do is open up and express how you feel. and, And that's how we illuminate people. That's how we spread awareness, you know? And that comes back to self identity <laughs> or self self image, knowing yourself and putting your foot down. So, I mean, 
I, I think after talking about that with you, I knew exactly where I stood and, and what I was going to do, but I still, I, I value your opinion so much that I value your opinion so much that it made me feel like what I thought was right maybe wasn't right because hmm. I know I had BPD and maybe I'm I'm not thinking in a healthy way. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I feel like you don't you don't have anything wrong with you. Maybe what you're saying is what somebody who is who is normal who has a healthy mind thinks, and that maybe that's what I should be doing. So that's it. Made me go back and forth in my head. Like, do I trust myself? Do I trust you know, Chris, do I trust somebody else? Do I look it up on the internet? You know, but no, no matter what, I could always hear the voice in the back of the head, like, no, this is not for you. Mm-hmm. Do something else, you know? And that's the voice that I had to end up following. Yeah. Even though it was, it, it was a little, it was a, it was a lot of pain to well, come, it, come to that conclusion. Cause I, I didn't know which one was right. I think last time we mentioned, I felt like I didn't know which one was right. Yeah. I think last time we, t- when we talked, I mentioned that. Ultimately, you have to follow what's true to you and what you feel is right. You can get as much advice as you want, and you can, from many different people and points of view, but and you just kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. You have to evaluate what they say, reflect on it, try to see how you can implement it in your own decision-making, but ultimately, it is going to have to be your own decision. You can't rely on somebody else to make a decision for you because then you're going to just resent them no matter the, no matter no, what it is you can you can do what i always do you ask somebody else with their opinion and then once you take their advice and do what they tell you to do if it doesn't work out then you can be exactly. like well, why did you tell me to do that i should exactly. listen to myself you took because that's that's what i was trying to do to you chris i know i felt like cause, well you were telling me to do something I like saw oh, the so, trap a mile away i was like so so now chris you're telling me to do this I don't want to do this, but I'll do it, I guess, if you want to be happy. I mean, if it's going to make you happy, I'll do it. You know, I didn't, you know, who cares about my happiness? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's all about self-image. Uh, I just want to talk about some of the other yeah. um, symptoms that I kind of pointed out in last week's episode, or, or I kind of felt to myself. Um, I wrote down self-destructive behavior. Um... I felt like it was kind of self-destructive because I was spending so much time, so much anxiety on it and so much anger into making that decision that it was destroying me from the inside, from myself. So self-destructive. Yeah. I noticed <laughs> like, that. I felt like it was just tearing me tear me down. Yeah. When, when situations like that happen, you just get so bogged down on that one instance that... You, you kind of lose sight of everything else. You kind of do, you kind of have tunnel vision. And then you psych yourself out because at some point you make a decision and you say, this is what I'm going to do. And then 10 minutes later, you're right back to where you started where you're questioning yourself. And then you're wondering what the hell just, you know, what's going on and whether you're making the right decision. And you have to start. So you're like in a loop for a while. Yeah, until until I do you. until I do what I usually do, I take some sleeping medicine and just go to sleep. I was which like, I'm tired, is, which is not healthy. <laughs> I just keep it by my bedside and just like I'm tired. Chris has to like snatch it out of my hand. I'm like, I'm going to sleep. I just I just don't want to be awake because I just I I don't want to think about all this. And stuff. like I tell Ajni, <laughs> sleeping away 
your day is not going to resolve any issues. It's not going to make your life any easier. But it makes you feel more you, peaceful. No, only for a minute. And then when you wake up, you're just as stressed. And this That's desperate. when you take more medicine and go exactly, back to sleep. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's just a temporary sedative. It does not fix your problems. You want to tackle them head on with the help of somebody else, if preferably. Hmm. I don't have substance abuse or problem avoidance on here, but that is a symptom. Mm. Substance. I, I wasn't abusing a it substance. Wasn't, it wasn't substance abuse because, well, in a way it was because you were taking yeah, it. Yeah, I guess I didn't need it to go to sleep. You didn't need it. You were taking it during the day when mm-hmm. you didn't need to be asleep. Yeah. And you, you were just basically trying to escape the problem, mm-hmm. escapism. So in that regard, it was. Yeah, substance abuse, substance I would say. Substance abuse, yes. Because you're you're taking something that you don't need, for, um, for... and then you know I can understand if you were having too much stress and anxiety at night when you were trying to go to sleep, but you know, that's different. So, um, I wrote down self harm too because that's um, that always I don't like I don't think I talk about it too much on the podcast, um, but that's something that does enter my head. You still struggle with. Yeah, from from time to time. Even um, though you're taking, yeah, I, though, well, it, yeah, even though I'm taking medicine, but it's when I feel like I have a a lot of stress or a big decision to make or or something big is going to happen and it's, it's out of my hands. It's too much to handle. If I'm not going to go to sleep, then I'm going to think about cutting myself because I I think in a way that's. Um, going to solve the problem temporarily you know just like just like going to sleep mm. just temporarily make me stop thinking about it and concentrate well, on something else i, I know that's, that's drastic that's the better cho- better wording it's not going to solve a problem it's just keeping you away from it yeah temporarily just to i guess yeah distract myself and feel something and you haven't cut yourself in a while once like no uh years yeah Long time. And, but you do every once in a while and you get super stressed. I'll like grab I'll grab a knife and like feel the point pointiness of it. Mm-hmm. Um and sometimes press it against my skin, but I have to just remember remind myself, you know, I haven't cut myself since um What do you usually tell yourself? Since I was in my twenties. What do you Since I was in my twenties, so you know. What do you usually <laughs> tell yourself while you're holding that knife to keep you from c- cutting? That you know, I'm really proud that I haven't, um, I haven't done it, and I want to say at least five years, five, six, five, six, seven years, that I haven't done it in a long time, and I look at the scars that I do have, and I'm just like, I really don't want more scars, because I'm, you know, I don't like explaining that to people, if you'd be like, what's that, or, you know, all that stuff, and I just think about all the stuff that comes after I cut myself. So when I know that when I cut myself, there's gonna it just feels like yeah, ooh, oh my gosh, yeah, relief. Kind of, yeah, relief. But then after that, I have to deal with everything else. How how bad I feel about doing that to myself. Then I get depressed, and uh, then I have to clean up blood and shit, and and then I have to, you know, you're gonna find out about it, you know, or or I'm gonna have to tell you about it. Um, that's what I did when I was younger. To, kind of deter myself from from cutting myself i would say if if i did cut myself i'd have to tell somebody mm-hmm. and 
that usually stopped me from doing it because then people would say I was just doing it for attention. And so, mm. <laughs> and then I'm just like, my dad would be like, you're just doing it for attention. That's what you're telling me. And so I was like, okay, well, see, I shouldn't cut myself anymore because then I have to tell somebody and then they're going to make me feel really bad. Well, I mean, it, it, that is why you were doing it to yeah, get attention. I think a, a part of it, because I was just like, you know, it's like saying help. I need help. I don't know how to deal with this. Yeah. You know, so I just, when I, when I think about, um, when I think about cutting myself or hurting myself, I just think about, you know, what what all the aftermath of it is going to be and that mm-hmm. how bad I'm going to feel about about doing it. So, yes, yeah, self-harm was one of the things I, I thought about listening but to that episode. I, I, do you also do words of affirmation, like things that you've, you're proud of and and things that you are happy about yes, in your life? Yes, I, I think, you know, like I was talking about, you know, that I haven't cut myself in a long time, mm-hmm. that I'm at the... You know, I think that's kind of an affirmation, right? Like yeah. I'm, I'm... I was just wondering if it was more than just that. Because that reminded me of an article I recently read about um, a, a female who who would, who would had scars and from cutting herself. And she said one of the ways that she would keep herself from cutting it more was to look at her scars and then, you know, touch them and remind herself that things were a lot worse than what they are currently, you know? And that kind of just made her realize that she, if she was able to work through the the harder times that were in the past, then she's able to work through the current present time. Yeah. I think that's where my mind kind of goes to also when I look at my scars and stuff, I'm like, well, I, you know, I made it through, I, I, I do sort of think about, you know, I made it through all that stuff and I really didn't have to cut myself. I mm-hmm. mean, I have these scars on me now, but thinking back to it, I, I could have got through that hard time. I don't even remember what most of these scars are from, you know? <laughs> I don't, I don't, it was just such a temporary thing, and now mm-hmm. I have these scars forever, mm-hmm. you know? Stop looking at my scars, Chris. <laughs> up here, 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 I yeah. mean, just ridiculous, right here. Just dumb. So I just, I, I feel kind of, I feel kind of stupid for doing that, you know? I understand why I was doing it. I was trying to find some relief, but I just feel like, you know, there's, there's, there really is a better way mm-hmm. of finding that than than scarring yourself up because you're really just you're really hurting yourself. You're not, and you're really you're hurting a lot of other people around you too, but you know physically and, and emotionally really hurting yourself. Yeah. Um. So uh, the next one I had was extreme emotional, um, extreme emotional swings. Mm. Yeah, I definitely had that that symptom of BPD in the last <laughs> episode. Um. We kind of already talked about that, you know, going up and down and, and not feeling exactly, um, or not knowing exactly how to feel. Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, one minute you're like very set on the decision, you know what, I'm going to do this, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it, and it's going to be final. And then five minutes later, we're back at it again where you don't know, and then you're asking me what you should do. <laughs> and then you're spiraling again because... You know, you can't trust yourself. Yep. That's me. See, I told you you have fun during this episode, Chris. You didn't have fun? No, I mean, why? No. Because you're so perfect. Oh, my gosh. You're so perfect. I've just, I've learned a lot. Oh, shut up. I've, le- <laughs> I've learned a lot. And, I, and it, you know, going through these podcasts and talking about things, especially in this, you know, podcast, mm-hmm. um, sort of reflecting, it's you realize how much you've learned and how much progress I think we've made. Yeah. 
we have made progress. Well, the, the last episode made me feel like I was taking a back step. Well, you know, I, listening to it, I was just like, man, people are listening to me podcasting about BPD. They're going to listen to the episode and be like, he has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> but, I mean, I think, it, I think it was also a really good episode, too, because it shows that everybody is struggling. And I'm struggling just as much as everybody else. You know, we're all going through life and trying to go through it while uh while having bpd and anxiety and depression and yeah i think it was it was a good episode because it really helped me you know look back at myself and i think it'll help other people you know maybe next time you know Hopefully your significant other can record you when you're having a <laughs> <laughs> when you're having one of your anger fits or something. And just like, think, see, this is what you talk about. You look, oh my god. I think I may have a recording of you when you when you were like angry and I, rambling. <laughs> I think that's I think that's something that people should actually do. And, mm. and don't get mad if your your <laughs> your significant other records you and then shows it to you. I mean, I would get mad if they put it on their Snapchat and shared it with everybody. Well, right, <laughs> but. Don't be the don't be a douche and share it online. You know, you never <laughs> without permission. You never think you're you're as bad as I remember when when I was younger, I would get really mad and I would punch walls or I would punch doors. Yeah, I remember when we were dating when we first met and you told me that, and I was like, mm, I don't know about this. <laughs> I don't want to date a guy who punches doors. Yeah, so I think. I think I told you uh, one time I got really mad at my boyfriend and I hit him. And I was, and my, my face was instantly like in shock when I did it. Um, I forgot, I forgot what happened, but I just like, I like slapped him in the face. Mm. And he just laughed at me because he thought it was, he thought it was funny, but I was like really shocked at myself. Mm. And every time that I would get really angry and like punch a door or um, that time when I like like hit my um, my boyfriend, um, it's like blind rage. Like I didn't mean to get that that angry to the point where it was um, pouring out of me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think some people can just get angry or upset and just kind of keep it in or or let it trickle out slowly. But mine just like burst open, and you know. Ah. Mm. <sighs> So you have it easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the next symptom was, uh, well, I, I want to skip to the last one here. It was explosive anger because I kind of talked about that. Explosive anger. Yes, that was definitely there. I was like, Chris, you don't love me enough. <laughs> and I'm angry about it. But, um, but this other one, chronic feelings of emptiness. Mm. Is that, do you ever deal with feelings of of emptiness yeah maybe I recently I, have maybe not chronic like all the time but just no i've i mean i think some most people do go through those feelings mm-hmm. at some point in their lives um and i've recently gone through it this past weekend um or yeah this past last so week feeling like you're not fulfilled like you're not um Hmm, chronic of emptiness. I guess I guess emptiness is feeling like you're not um like there's nothing worth of value. Yeah. Like like why are yeah, you Yeah, why am I trying? here? Why yeah. Yeah. And it's you know for me it's one of those instances where I felt like that um on my ride home and you know I was 
driving, crying, and then mm. I came home, and I think, you know, it's, typically when I'm feeling like that, I just like to drown myself in music and just let music, <laughs> let my feelings escape through music. And sometimes I'll sing, and sometimes I'll just cry and listen to music. But typically, after I have a good cry, I feel better. <laughs> really loud evanescence. <laughs> Excuse me. Don't be giving out my Harry Potter Harry Potter soundtrack. It it just depends. It just depends on the on the mood. Um, Yeah. So for me, usually, typically, it's gone within you know a day or two. I may experience it like that very deep despair type of feeling for a couple of hours, maybe. Um, And it's like, I think I've mentioned it to you where. I have this feeling like really deep down in my chest where sometimes it's like it's hard to breathe and it's hard to think and and I'm like I wonder I've wondered if if that's sort of what you feel like if you know how much of what I'm feeling is what people feel people that have BPD or social uh, anxiety anxiety. and um, you know all these other behavioral problems that they may have if if that's like a constant feeling you know i've heard some people just, just describe it as like i'm always feeling like that you know mm-hmm. like oh that would be horrible i can't imagine living my life and having that pressure in my chest and that like lack of breath i mean but you you remember how i was in in our the early part of my relationship before i was taking the medicine yeah the medicine for yes. my anxiety mm-hmm. like that's how it was all the time just worried about everything yes yeah. it's, it's it's hell. And that's how I felt like that hell. last weekend where it's it's like you feel like yeah, nothing is right and everything is going to hell basically and nothing you can do or are doing is helping and yeah, you just feel so helpless. So, you know, I feel like most people are familiar with that feeling at some point in their lives but for most people it's something that's temporary. And not something that keeps reoccurring time and time again, weekly, on a weekly or monthly basis. Yeah, I... I do feel empty from from time to time. Uh, I know last episode, I... I was feeling... Yeah, very, very scared, very anxious. Um, I was afraid of going back to feeling empty again I you know I felt like I had a a job that gave me purpose and now because it's not working out and I decided to leave you know am I just going to go back to a void of you know black of nothingness and I'm just going to be too weak to get up and get another job because I'm just not going to believe in myself um so yeah, all that all mm-hmm. that stuff was packed into into that episode for me. But mm-hmm. I think that um, I always had this real fear of just laying down the people that I love, and I I don't want to seem like I'm lazy or that I'm not doing the the best that I can do. And I also want to be true to myself and and make myself happy mm-hmm. uh, because I feel like I can do my best work when I'm. I'm happy and healthy and I feel like I'm I'm actually uh giving back. And that's um, why and that's what, you know, employers need to realize is that 
they need to create these environments that's that's tailored to their employees that makes them feel appreciated that makes them feel valued because when people feel valued that's when they put you know 110% into whatever it is that they do doesn't matter if you're flipping burgers or waiting tables or you know working in an office as an assistant or anything like that when you feel valued when you feel part of of a team and cherished then you're always going to give it 110%. You're not going to care if you have to work late, if you have to work a weekend or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And unfortunately, we're not there culturally. I think still people are still too focused on numbers and and not realizing that a different approach could probably have better yields to what their goals can be. Mm. Well, Time to get another job. <laughs> um, I feel like I, this whole time, I feel like we should put together a program and then shop it around to companies. Be like, you know, uh, sort of like a sensitivity training type program, but, um, you know, something that would help address. If, especially if they have people that they know, but mm-hmm. oftentimes people don't speak up, and you know employers are not aware of uh, any special needs that m- their employees may need. You know any yeah. special accommodations they may need, uh, even if it's just um, t- having to take a day off to you know rest mentally and to kind of get all the anxiety out, or something like that. Or you know if they have an argument with a fellow employee, they need a day off to just kind of reflect get past the anger and then come back to it and you know okay so you can tell you can tell chris voted for bernie sanders with all his socialist ideas (laughs) we should all get along and share the cost and and the millionaire should be brought down the the two percent really Really? (laughs) what i just said that's what you heard (laughs) what we should all get along and be nice that's no that's actually an entrepreneurial spirit where i'm saying let's put a program together let's Sell it to employers and make them realize that there's a better way. That just sounds very Bernie. That's the American that sounds, dream. That sounds Bernie Sanders, though. It sounds ah, op- no. optimistic. No, it's not a top-down yes. approach. It's a bottom-up. We're approaching. No, I just feel like that's that's the. They're not really worried about certain companies aren't aren't really worried about that that kind of thing. Yeah, because they they're not being approached. They're not being. It's not being highlighted to them. But you know, I feel like. It's like, you know, with a company, if if a company sees high turnover rate, they're going to be like, what's going on? You know, they only care when it's impacting the bottom line. So if their impact, their bottom line is being impacted because uh, employees are being high turnovers. They're not doing their job. They're not filing regulations, this or that or the other. They're going to start looking for what is wrong within their setup. Right. Mm-hmm. And be like, OK, maybe it's our manager that's wrong. They're not hiring the right people or they're not creating a, a good a workforce. You know, a good team. Mm-hmm. So that's when they start, you know, acting. It's they only react to situations. But, yeah, and it's basically re-education that you have that we have to promote, and I'm all for that. It's that. Those I'm saying, Bernie Sanders, free education, free re-education, college. Re- oh, I think you said free. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh God. dang! I was just trying to put another Bernie Sanders connection. Anyways, in there. <laughs> well, don't Chris, put words in my mouth. Chris, thank you so much. I I love you. Thank you for. 
for putting up with me and going over this this episode with me and just talking about everything that is wrong with me. Oh <laughs> everything that I'm going through that you got to deal with too. <laughs> it's not that it's wrong. It's just that it's different. And, you know. Well, it feels, it feels like it's kind of a... It's an inconvenience in a in a little way. Well, and I don't want to I don't want to inconvenience you in any way. It's like I've told you, you know, before. There's plenty of different. It's just a different situation. People who don't have mental illness um, have different struggles in their lives. You know, mm-hmm. they may not struggle with. Um, being too sensitive maybe they struggle with not with being too apathetic (laughs) with not really caring about anything you know Mm -hmm. that's completely on the opposite side of the spectrum so it's just all situational and when when we realize that that's what it is is, um i think it'll make us all more better for it because it's there's no two people alike and each each person it's unique and individual and they have their own personal struggles that they that we deal with. I deal with my own personal struggles of insecurity, and in some ways abandonment as well. Um, and you know, it's, it's just it comes from a different place, and it, it affects me differently because it's not a daily, weekly, monthly routine for me. It's something that I can sometimes you know put away in a closet in a, in a box. <laughs> And maybe it's not that healthy, nope. <laughs> but it's it's I've dealt with it this far, and it it I I would say I've been pretty successful, <laughs> um and but you know I know eventually it would be nice to unpack all these things, but so I I don't I don't appreciate I don't like it when you kind of pull because it feels like you're pulling yourself down when you're saying this is a, def- well, I, a deficiency for me. I guess I I know that there's something. Um, abnormal about me that it, that I have traits that other people probably wouldn't desire to have that I have sometimes no control over. Yeah, and the person that I'm in a relationship with, even if it even if it's a friendship or any kind of relationship, it you know those things are going to sprout sprout up. Mm-hmm. You know those things are going to they're going to see those things, and I'm not going to always be able to control them. So that's why yeah. it feels like it's not it's not a positive thing. I realize it's you know, the most personality traits right now, but, you know, it's not always a, it's not a, a positive thing to me. You know, I, I feel like it, it can, it kind of helps me with my, my empathy and, you see, you know, uh, well, I don't know because I mean, oh, my creative writing and, you know, <laughs> you know, understanding I, emotions is, is, is a really powerful tool. That's why I say about, you know, the, about focusing on the positive aspect of it. Because everything we, we that we are traits and personalities, there are positive and negative aspects of it. You know, some people can be, uh, what is it, um, where they're, where they can be too prideful. What's the step down from prideful? Where if some people can be self confident, mm-hmm. but then that self that self self confidence can turn into narcissism or pride, pridefulness. Mm-hmm. And those are negative traits yeah. that stem from the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's you know similar to to this. Obviously, you have, I mean, 
it's it's hard because it's something that you have no control over but you have to focus on the positive and what you can do to turn it into something positive and and use it to the to the best of your abilities to you know for something greater so something better and like you said your your creative writing you you do look at the world differently i mean that's one of the things that that makes us unique is that our experiences shape how we view the world you as a black person as a gay person as a person who has struggled with mental illness have a unique view of the world in the way you approach problems and the way that you approach people and that's why i feel like you would be great in human resources position or mm -hmm. as a manager position so i wanted to kind of implement some of these you know rules and um guidelines because you you have a certain sensitivity that not everybody is aware of mm -hmm. and that can be an asset yeah and so i think it's all about perspective and um choosing how to see the world and i know it you know i'm, I'm sure it's hard <laughs> when you're dealing with uh identity problems and and associations no everything's but, easy but you know nothing in life is easy everything worth fighting for is hard so you were pretty easy. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us for this episode. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. I love you. Mm -hmm. I love you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for joining us <laughs> for this episode. That was a great indie. I love that. Yeah. I'm funny. <laughs> thanks, guys, again. Um, we hope you enjoyed this and the previous episodes if you feel like we are providing something of value to you we encourage you to go to our website borderline ideas list borderline idealist.com if you have um if you're able to you know you can support us via the patreon page and send us some donations we're getting ready i think in august was is when our website renews mm -hmm. so it would be great to be able to have enough money saved up through donations where we wouldn't have to take out from our personal funds to renew the website and the hosting. Um, if you can't, that's fine as well. We encourage you to continue listening and sharing with your friends. You know, often sometimes just a single share online can have a big impact on people we may not even be aware of. Yeah. Um, you know, we live in a society where we're still afraid to talk about certain issues, especially personal problems and personal struggles. And sometimes just posting something online where people can randomly come upon it and and see it can have a big impact in their lives. So yeah. we thank you for, for doing that. Yeah, thank you everybody for for listening and, and all the support that, that you've given us. And we can't wait to make another episode for next week. So we'll Ooh. see you then. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, goodbye. Adios. <laughs>